you're here tonight. And uh, so thankful for the wonderful presence of the Lord that we felt here last night. And uh, just very thankful for the amazing things that God is doing here at Grace Church. And uh, uh, I'm anticipating uh, that God will continue. Uh, He's not going to stop uh, pouring out His Spirit, pouring out blessing. Uh, He's going to continue to move and work in our lives as long as we let Him. And everybody said amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. We have commented in times past that um, we have a lot of twins at Grace Church. And a lot of people don't see that. They don't, uh, uh, I don't know that we have, I'm trying to think right now, and I've got myself into this subject. Uh, If we have identical twins, uh, I'm trying to think if we do, and I don't think we do. Uh, But we have boy and girl twins and uh, what have you. And um, I just found out recently that I was born an only twin. I'm sorry. <laughs> just It's just who I am. I, I can't help it. Uh, if you didn't catch on to that, I don't know what to say that either. So anyway, wasn't Sunday amazing? Sunday was off the chart. I thank God for the amazing move of the Holy Ghost here Sunday. And uh, wow, what a marvelous, marvelous outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord. And uh, I'm very thankful for that and anticipate much the same this coming Sunday. And uh, I do want to remind everybody, uh, you look around and the the sanctuary looks kind of thinly populated. I remind you that kids' church has been cranked up again. And uh, so we're missing our children in here tonight, plus we're having youth service next door. Uh, in the Alexander Center. So uh, that's we have two other services going on here tonight besides this one, and I think that's pretty cool. Uh, very, very, very happy about that. <clears throat> Let's jump into Bible study tonight. I would like to read from uh, Titus, thank you, Titus chapter 2, verse 15, and then Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. <clears throat> The Bible said, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. And then in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, the Bible said, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. That's a long description of what we used to be. Some still fight that. We are all still human. Verse 4, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing 
of the Holy Ghost. I hope you're listening to these words. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will thou that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Notice verses 10 and 11. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject. The Bible said a man is a heretic if he's been admonished two times and rejected it both times. That's the biblical definition of a heretic. Knowing that he that is such is subverted and sins being condemned of himself. And then in Hebrews, one more verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your soul as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. I want to speak tonight, and again, I'm still in this arena of the necessity of discernment, being able to hear the Word of God, to feel the Spirit of the Lord, and then act accordingly. Uh, Last night at men's prayer, I made the statement. I'll make it here again tonight. There's two basic things that happens when you go to a doctor. He'll give you a diagnosis and then a prognosis. He'll give you a diagnosis and then a pathway of treatment, whatever that may be. It's his job to do the diagnosis. It's your job to follow the path of treatment. And if you don't get better, don't blame the doctor. So when you attend church and the pastor teaches and preaches the Bible, but you choose not to do it, and you become spiritually anemic, or your family members become spiritually anemic, whatever it may be, don't blame the pastor. I want to teach for a little while tonight. Again, I'm staying in the arena of the necessity of discernment. I want to ask you a question, and I may follow up with this next Wednesday night. We will see. Um, My title tonight is, Are We Really Submitted? Are We Really Submitted? I want to make some statements to begin this tonight, and I will certainly be biblical. Um... If you attend Grace Church, I want to make some statements and and just give you some things to think about and uh, to consider. Um, 
and I'm going to certainly stay within the parameters of the Bible, but I want to make some statements early on so that the rest of this Bible study will be relevant to you. If you attend Grace Church, or if you are a member or serve in any capacity, it then becomes my responsibility. PA and all that, there it goes. If you attend Grace Church, or if you are a member or serve in any capacity, then it becomes my responsibility to pastor you, to, to, for, you for yours truly up here to be your pastor. Listen very carefully what I'm about to say. It's my job to do everything I can to get you from here to heaven. That's my job. I'm not here to collect a paycheck. I'm not here to live in a nice house and to drive a nice car. I'm not here to just take all your tithing and have a ball with it. I'm here to help you get from here to heaven. Or if you choose to go to hell, I'm here to scream in your ear every step of the way. And I take my job very seriously. (laughs) Hebrews said, and it's a scripture that scares me to death, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourself, for they watch for your soul, for they must give an account. That's me telling God or answering God on how I did trying to help you. Anybody want to trade places? It's my responsibility to dedicate your children to the Lord when they're born. I saw a picture yesterday, I believe it was, last night. Sister Murphy and I were watching some things, looking at some, going through some stuff about church history last night after we got home. And um, I saw a picture of me baptizing Brennan Stokes. And he could just barely get his chin up over the water when I baptized him. I had lunch with him today. He's 17 years old and loves God more than you can imagine. But it's my responsibility to dedicate your children to the Lord, to see to it that they hear the message of repentance and water baptism in Jesus' name and to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's my job to prepare the environment to the best of my ability so that can happen. It's my responsibility to provide and appoint qualified leaders and teachers in the church so you and your family can be taught the Word of God on whatever age level your own. Somebody just texted me that uh, 
Uh, Ryan and Sandy has another age group of kids upstairs. So we actually have four sessions going on here tonight at the same time. It's my responsibility to pray for you and instruct you and guide you and care for you. It's my responsibility to watch over your soul. It's my responsibility to marry you when you choose to get married, if you choose to ask me to do that. It's also my responsibility to bury you when you die. In other words, it's my responsibility to walk beside you from your cradle to your grave. If you decide to terminate that relationship for whatever reason, then it becomes your responsibility to find another pastor shepherd that will do the same. It's my responsibility to teach and preach the Bible. And I do that with all of my heart. And when I teach doctrine and biblical principle, either explicit or implicit, it is never your option to pick and choose what you will believe and obey or not. It's never your option. So if you do, you do not have the option, you do not have the option of attending Grace Church and not having me as your pastor. This may sound really strange to you folks tonight, but I'm going somewhere with it. Believe it or not, I am God's appointed representative slash ambassador in your life. I do not and will not lord over the flock, but I do my best to pastor appropriately to the best of my ability based on study, training, and experience. So bottom line, if you ask the pastor a question, if he says yes, then it's yes. If he says no, then it's no, depending on the nature of the situation. I'm going to give you an illustration of this. A number of years ago when our church was located in Baker, Sister Yvonne Thompson, one of the sweetest people I've ever met, and we miss her bad. She's another one that's moved away. Forgot about that Sunday. She moved to Austin this year uh, to be with her daughters. But she approached me when we was in Baker. Sister Yvonne was a go-getter. She never let grass grow under her feet. She was heavily involved in kids' ministry. She sang in the praise team. She used to sing solos. She was involved in church in in every way that her gifting and, and what have you would allow. And she approached me one day, and I'll never forget it, one of the most committed people, one of the most qualified people I've ever met for what she was asking me if she could do. She said, Pastor, I just feel a real burden. And I wasn't surprised, to be honest. But she came and said, I feel a burden to go to Africa. I want to go to Chad, Africa. And she said, I want you to help me pray about it. And I stared at her for two or three seconds, maybe about five seconds. And I said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. And she stared at me and she said, why? I said, that's fair, but that's not resonating with me. And I'm going to ask you not to do that. She said, I'll have to pray about it. At least she was being honest. She called me several days later. We met again. 
And um, she said, I heard what you said, and I'm going to quote what she said, Jason, since y'all are related. <clears throat> she said, sometimes this don't apply to you either. Your name never came up. But she said, my family, and I think she was referring to perhaps some of her siblings, has struggled with authority. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. She even threw her kids in that mix. And she said, I think this would be a good lesson for all of us to learn. So I'm not going to go. One of the most fantastic things. One of the most beautiful situations that's ever, not because I won that argument. But she came back six months, a year later. We were in this building by then. She said, Pastor, the burden hasn't lifted. And I'm going to ask you one more time to pray about it. I said, you make your arrangements and pack your bags. She said, really? I said, absolutely. I said, I, I don't feel that angst that I did before. So you go ahead and make all your arrangements and we'll, we'll help you in any way we can. She went to Africa, Jason, six months was it, I think? About six months. Came home and she made a lot of impact there, but it certainly changed her perspective and viewpoint when she came back. Not just by going to Africa and getting a whole new perspective of burden and so on. But it also changed her, her perspective when it comes to the authority in her life. This feeling, and I know feelings are fickle, but I believe God has talked to my heart. Over the past several months about the necessity of discernment. As you folks don't understand, you don't understand the feeling of when I know God has spoken to me for this church and when God has spoken to me about people in this church. And to get up and teach and preach, teach and preach, teach and preach and watch people summarily walk out the door and never think about it again. You're accountable to that, whether you realize that or not. It's the burden's off me now, the ball's on your court. I'm encouraging everybody here tonight. I'm not here to, to browbeat. I'm not here to sound condemnatory. But I want to encourage everybody here tonight. When you hear the word of God, somehow separate it from my voice. To a lot of people at Grace Church, I'm Glenn Murphy. We grew up together, and we were in a youth group together, and we were this together and friends together and all that. Try to disassociate Glenn Murphy from hearing what the word of God says. I know the Bible says a prophet is, um, how does the scripture go, Brother James, help me out? A prophet is without honor, saving his own country. Is that how it goes? Um, and um, I don't know why God called me back to where I grew up to try to pastor a church. Because there's a lot of people that knows all my stuff, good and bad. I've still been accused of driving across somebody's front yard, and I still don't remember it and rutted up their yard trying to get to where I was going. I still don't remember that. But anyway, there's a lot of memories. But when the Word of God comes forth, and it's the Bible, and the Spirit of God accompanies it, then we're accountable to that. So, I mentioned a, a little bit Sunday about our culture is influencing the church now, whether we like it or not, is because our culture is training us on how we should think. And we lose the biblical foundation and the, the, the biblical teaching of that and so on. Uh, but I will say that I believe this is the most difficult time 
in America to pastor. I don't know that it's been more difficult in America to pastor than now. Um, you say, well, there was times when men were persecuted and, and people threw eggs and rotten tomatoes and all that at them. At least they were listening and responded. I don't know what to do when people stare at me and they hear it and then walk away. James said, "A man beholds himself in the mirror and walks away and like nothing, nothing's wrong or whatever. So with that thought in mind, let's, let's jump into this for a few minutes. <clears throat> the premise with modern day America is that we have three distinct generations of people in the church at the same time and are now coming on a fourth. But first of all, we have the post-World War II generation of people and they were taught to respect authority. When I grew up, was growing up 50 years ago. Man, that sounds old. Boy, that sounds like a long time. A half a century. But when I was growing up back in those days, we were taught to respect authority. You didn't argue with a school teacher. And if the school teacher called home and complained about you, woe be unto you when you got home. Not anymore. Okay. So we have the post-World War II people who were taught to respect authority. And then comes along the baby boomers who was taught to question authority. And then we have the millennials who are pretty much being taught to ignore authority. So this is where culture starts coming into the church. And, and people believe and think that when I attend church, if I like what I hear then I'll buy into that. But if I don't like it, I'll just discard it and what have you. That's not what the Bible teaches. Culture can teach you to do that. And for people to stand up, and, and, and younger people do it, and they do it hardly without conscience. They'll walk up, they'll, they'll stand up and say, well, I just don't believe that part of the Bible. I don't believe that's what the Bible means, or it's not applicable to me, or I just don't believe it. And they think that's okay. I know people that think it's optional to pay your tithes or not. I don't find that in the Bible. Christian lifestyle is not optional. Uh, the Bible teaches these things. So these three categories of people, these three generations of people, now we have Generation Z coming up. That's the 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old group kind of. Um, but this is very obvious and outstanding here at Grace Church and so I have observed over the past few years that parents who have such a difficult time getting their kids to behave and even want to come to church are in most cases not really submitted themselves. And they're not submitted either to God, the Bible, or the pastor. We're still doing some study. I talked to Brother Dave Tonight before church, we're doing some study on how our teenagers have fared here at Grace Church in the past 10, 12 years. And so far, the results aren't very good. So our next step is to see what their parents was like. What kind of home they grew up in. We're, we're going to do this losing 80% of our teenagers. We're going to get to the bottom of this. 
And we're going to do everything the church can to stop it. But I think most of the burden is going to be on the back of the parents. <clears throat> so, again, when I've, I've lived long enough, I've pastored long enough to see second, third, even fourth generation people when it comes to church. And I, I can see where, you know, grandma had this level of commitment in her relationship with God and her grandkids thinks all that's optional now. Something happened somewhere down the line. But I want to I stress here tonight, the Bible doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. It doesn't change. And you're not going to be judged based on cultural standards. You're going to be judged according to the Bible. And we, that's what I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. So the church of today needs an understanding of spiritual authority. Paul told, told Titus to rebuke with all authority. You remember the scripture setting I, I mentioned to you uh, in preaching a couple of Sundays ago, whenever it was, about the man who preached a sermon. And the title of the sermon was The Commandment of Jesus I've Never Seen Obeyed. And that was where if you offend a child, Jesus said it would be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck. This includes parents. I believe it's an offense to God when you don't raise your kids up. Well, Jesus said it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck and thrown into a sea. I've never seen that practiced. I'm not saying that we should start now. I'm hoping Jesus was being symbolic in some degree, figuratively speaking. If I wanted to execute that, Brother Billy, I don't know where a millstone is. Uh, I don't even know where to get one. Um, Don't anybody tell me either. I don't want to be accountable to that. But Paul told Titus to rebuke with all authority. Teach them, he said, to be subject to powers and to do good work. That word powers is delegated influence or authority. And that's what God has given to church leadership. It's a delegated influence. It's a delegated authority that God has put in the church. In other words, teach the church to be subject to delegated authorities. By listen, we watched the video uh, last night. Jason and Nathan, I just saw him somewhere. Uh, there he is. When y'all were so kind to me for the 25th pastoral anniversary thing, y'all were so nice. And um, made fun of all of my little sayings. Get your head around it and brook trout. And I don't forget. I don't forget. Uh, anyway, um, but... Listen to pastor. That was one of their things they made fun of me over. But I want you to listen. If you get advice, if you get advice from others outside of the Bible or pastor, then it's not necessarily under the umbrella of God's authority or church authority. So if you heed that advice, then you kind of cut God out of it. And what I'm talking about is when you do your taxes and you're fooling with an accountant that tells you if you just fudge this a little bit. I know a preacher that's done this. If you fudge this a little bit, you can get a whole lot more taxes back. Okay, that's advice you shouldn't be listening to because it's dishonest no matter how much money it puts in your bank account. If you're defrauding the government and not being truthful and forthcoming, you're, you're not in alignment with what the Word of God teaches. 
we think sometimes based on what we hear and perceive, we hear words, and I'm going to get into one in just a moment, that that's not applicable to us because we put that, the definition of that word in a whole nother bracket that's far more severe than our lifestyle, and I'll come to that in just a moment. But there is a satanic principle that has crept into the church, and it is this. Give nice cards to pastors, say nice things, etc. But don't, you don't necessarily have to obey and cooperate with even the simplest, smallest things that he teaches from the Word of God. If you just get close, <laughs> these things are bothering me, folks. It's, it's, it, it, uh, God has put this on my heart, and I can't help it. And I'm not enjoying teaching this Bible study right now. There's two great revelations needed in Christianity. There's two great revelations that are needed in Christianity. Number one is to learn how to trust in God's salvation, to trust in the plan of salvation that God has given to us. And number two is how to obey God's authority. Those are the two great revelations that are needed for successful Christian living. The word sin means lawlessness and it is an issue of the heart as well as other actions in Romans chapter 2 Paul said for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law and as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law so if you've never heard you've sinned but you've never heard the law you'll perish without the law but as many as have heard good Bible teaching that is true and you sin anyway, then you're going to be judged by the law that was given to you. That's what you will answer to. Does everybody understand that? You'll be judged by the Bible. So that being said, there are two major principles at work in the world right now. Everybody listen. Number one, there's two major principles at work in the world right now. Number one is God's authority. Number two is Satan's rebellion. God's authority and Satan's rebellion. Think about that for a minute. You would have to agree that God is having his way in the world and the devil is doing everything he can to get people to rebel against it. Everybody understand that? Okay. So as a child of God, as a born-again child of God, you cannot serve God and simultaneously go the way of rebellion and disobedience at the same time. Satan laughs, I believe, when a rebellious person tries to accomplish things in the Spirit or in ministry. It doesn't work. Notice, let me remind you of what the devil said in Isaiah 14. He said, For thou hast said in thine heart, the devil saying, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. His goal, the devil's goal, was not to do away with God's throne, but to avoid submitting to it. And that's where this principle of rebellion comes from. He didn't want to destroy God's throne. He just didn't want to have to submit to it. So when we work to avoid submitting to God's ordained authority, when we we avoid submitting to the word of God, then we are submitting to a satanic principle. 
And it's called rebellion. <laughs> okay. Y'all, y'all hang with me now. I'm still in the book. I'm in the Bible. We think rebellion is this 14, 15-year-old bratty kid that looks at his mom and dad and says, Y'all are the biggest fools and idiots, and I ain't living like this anymore. I ain't going to listen to you anymore. I'm going to disobey you. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to ransack the house, whatever. And I'm leaving, and out the door they go. We call that rebellion. Or we call rebellion the young person that sits on the back row and because they've been forced to come to church and and they're rebellion and they're doing everything they can not to cooperate with God, the church, their parents, whatever. But what do you call it when we hear the word of God taught and we know it's the truth, but we don't do it? What do you call it? What do you call it? Is there another word I'm missing here? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. If you want to really serve God, you have to understand authority and how it works. And let me give you this illustration of how it works. After you have been shocked or electrocuted, then you can really appreciate the principle of electricity. Y'all on board with that? Has anybody ever been electrocuted here tonight? (laughs) Even if it's 110, you'll let go of that and you'll jerk your arm backwards like somebody's fixing to saw it off with a chainsaw. You'll let go of that thing. I hear if it's stronger than that, sometimes it won't let you go. But if you've been electrocuted, you understand. You are no longer careless when you are around it. Rebellion is much worse than typical sinning because rebellion is the intent of the heart. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And Satan's intent was to violate God's authority. He wanted, to, he wanted to not have to submit. So as we are serving God, we cannot allow ourselves to violate the authority of God, the authority of God's word, and what have you. Let me give you an example. Let's go back to this electricity thing. I mentioned in, I think it was Bible study Sunday morning, <clears throat> that yeah, I was... I was born at night, I think, but not last night. That's one y'all left out, Coop and Nate, in your video. I say that a lot, and y'all missed it. (laughs) I love Nate and Coop, and they don't do enough of that. Um, But I mentioned in in Bible study, I believe it was Sunday morning, that if you shoot a text and say, I'm sick, I won't be at church tonight, but you're not really sick. What do you call that? Um, I think a lot of people play the sick word. I had somebody play the sick word on me one time, and I didn't believe it. This was years ago, and I don't do this stuff no more. Trust me, I don't do it anymore. But they live far from the church, and I went to the church to check on them, and they weren't sick. I said, get up, get dressed, and come on down to church. I care about people, man, and I just, 
I want you in church. It's just all there is to it. So I think you need to be honest and say, I don't feel like it. I'm in a bad mood. I've had a fight with my spouse. The kids are horrible, whatever. But don't say you can't be here when really and truly you can. That's just one example. I could go on and on, but you get the point. So as we are serving God, we cannot allow ourselves to violate the authority of the word of God, the authority of the ministry, and so on. And these kinds of questions are often asked about pastor. Well, who does he think he is? Or, I don't agree with that. Or, I just can't go along with that. The people who I know today, and we're going to continue on this track with our teenagers, but the people I know today that are in the most difficult places of their lives, meaning their families are being torn apart, divorce and whatever, if you trace the roots back, it goes back to submission and obedience. We can become wicked by allowing a satanic principle to enter into our service or commitment to God. Our greatest calling is to obey God and God's authority in our lives. So I'm going to ask you again tonight, are we really submitted? Get a hold of this principle tonight, and I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying. God limited King Saul because he would not submit to authority. God limited King Saul. As a matter of fact, he took the throne away from him. He said, you will not be king anymore. I'll give your throne to someone else. This man had, you have to understand, it wasn't just Saul being king, but that throne was intended to go to his kids, his grandkids, his great grandkids, right down, just keep, keep it in the family. That's the way they did in the Old Testament. But because he refused to submit He had all the qualifications God was looking for. He stood head and shoulders above everybody else, I believe both physically and literally and figuratively. He was God's man, but he had a problem. And that problem not only impacted his life, but it impacted his seed. He had a problem with submitting to authority. So he nor his seed would ever be allowed to stay in authority. God took it away from Saul and his family. You'll never develop to your full potential. Saul, you'll never be able to answer your complete calling. You'll never be able to utilize the talent and gifting that I gave you because you couldn't submit. In 1 Samuel 13, Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly that you have not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now the Lord would have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded you to keep. He went on to tell him, Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better. So our stubbornness will be revealed and judged by God no matter how much we try to mask it with good works. 
Why? Because until we have submitted or have been smitten by God's authority, we won't pay attention to it. Y'all, it's on the screen. Because until we have submitted or have been smitten by God's authority, we'll not pay attention to it. New Testament Saul, on the other hand, wreaked havoc in the church until the Damascus Road experience. And then he submitted to virtually an unknown preacher. Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, being smitten on the road to Damascus, he didn't have the opportunity to submit to a Paul, a man, apostle, Paul, or someone of that stature. He submitted to some little unknown local minister in the church named Ananias. You know the story in Acts 9. He said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? It's amazing how that changes. Attitude changed like that. In a second, it changed just like that. When you're smitten by the authority of God, a light shines out of heaven and boom! You're blind as a bat in a snowstorm wearing sunglasses. And you're laying flat on your back staring up to heaven and can't see a thing. And then finally you hear a voice. And Paul said, who are you, Lord? I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. God, I'll do anything. I'll give up anything. I'll save my house. I'll give away my car. I'll adopt my kids out of whatever you want me to do. Whatever he said. I don't know if he said all that. I'm just making it a little more interesting. But this is what he did say. Arise and go to the city. And it shall be told thee what you must do. And Paul clicked his heels together, stood at attention and said, yes, sir. And that's what he did. And the rest is history. What was the source of Paul's power? Why was he such an amazing, powerful apostle? Was he gifted? Was he brilliant? Yes. But all of that wouldn't have been worth 10 cents had he not done one thing. And that's called submit. He was a high-ranking dude. Paul had a lot of authority. You've got to understand that. He wasn't a peon. Everybody in Israel knew him and was terrified of him. When you were a Jew and Paul came your way and did, you were fixing to be cat food, buddy, for cats that tall. that weighed about 350, 400 pounds, and they were hungry. You weren't going to be the meow, meow, meow mix. And a man of that kind of authority was taught a lesson that there's somebody over you and when that person up there tells you to do something that's in your best interest to do it no matter what it costs you. Paul gave up everything. Do you all understand that? He gave up his position. He gave up his career. He gave up his influence. He gave up everything to get his eyesight back. And to submit to that voice that spoke to him out of heaven. He did. Don't say, God, you're asking me to do something that's too hard to do. Once you've had God's authority revealed in your life, it will surface later through someone that God has placed in your life. 
And for a lot of people here tonight, that person's been me. And it's been real hard for you to do that. Because I'm no Apostle Paul either. But I'll have you understand, we do not obey a man. We obey God's authority that's vested in that man. That's the difference. You know why big time Paul would listen to little known Ananias? Because he met God's authority first. That's what made it easy. Paul would have submitted to a child. You know why Samson was led around that big arena by a child? Because he had been forced into submission. He was so blind he couldn't tell who was leading him. Paul met God's authority first and knew that Ananias was God's man in his life. It's so sad when someone meets man's authority before they meet God's authority. That's why a lot of people feel like listening to the preacher is optional because they've never really been acquainted with God's authority first. Some have seen abusive men in positions and when you do, avoid it at all costs. After you've seen the true authority of God, you can easily submit to the man that God has placed in your life. So that's why so many have a problem submitting themselves to a human. You have seen man before God, and you must have a revelation of God's authority before you can ever obey his leaders properly. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing because time's running out on me, but in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Brother Greg, the Bible said, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch. Whether you're the great Apostle Paul or the little-known Ananias, they've all been given the same responsibility. And whether a pastor pastors 10,000 or he pastors 20, they've all been given the same role in the same position. You watch after those that God has put under your pastorate. I'm out of time and I'm not nearly finished here. Let me go to my conclusion. You cannot enter into the work of the Spirit just because you think you're ready. If you enter the work of ministry unsubmitted, you'll be torn apart. I've seen it happen all of my life. We're not here to find our own work to do, but rather find God's will for our life and obey it. After we understand this, we can enjoy the wonderful experience of walking in God's authority. Ask yourself a question. Who are you submitted to? Everybody here tonight to right now ask yourself that question. Think about it. Who are you submitted to? Whose authority are you under? If you cannot put a face and a name to who you are submitted to, then you're fooling yourself. God will deliver us from rebellion so that we can be healed. The 13th chapter of Romans is excellent in understanding the principle of authority, verses 1 through 14, if you care to read it when you get home. But when we talk about the necessity of discernment, I've said it over and over, that the devil will use anything, he'll use anything to get into your head and have you think contrary to the word of God. He won't necessarily try to destroy your relationship with God. He wants to pervert it. He wants you to think something other than what it actually is. 
And so I'm pleading with everybody here tonight with all of my heart. I'm pleading with everybody, our families, to do whatever it takes in your home, to do whatever it takes with your spouse, whatever you have to do. But to be faithful to the house of God, be faithful to your relationship with God every single day, to live it the very best you can. And don't revert back to traditional things. Don't revert back to, well, when I was a kid and, well, my grandmother. The grandmother clause isn't going to apply when you reach Judgment Day. It won't apply. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. Don't allow your kids to do things outside of scriptural parameter, even though you live inside scriptural parameters. I see parents do this, and it, 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 it startles me. It startles me at how we let our little kids dress and what we let them do and what we let them play with and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I'm not going to go on the clothesline thing here tonight, but it startles me. You won't do it, but you'll let your kids do it. I don't understand it. You're sowing a seed in them. And then when they're grown, you'll fight it for the rest of their life. You don't understand the spiritual aspects of that potentially. You're sowing a seed. You're giving an avenue into their life that the devil can just pound them the rest of their life. And I see parents do it all the time. One more thing, and I'm, 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 I'm done. What you have to understand, I'm talking to our adults here tonight. Most people in this building tonight have a, a decent understanding. I believe most people here tonight have a, at least a decent, at minimum, a decent understanding of what it really takes to live for God on a daily basis. You know that. And if you stray, you have enough knowledge of the Word of God and the Spirit of God and whatever to come back. But if you're not feeding that to your children and then you let them step outside of what the Word of God teaches, let them do things, say things, act certain ways, go certain places, what have you, that's outside of what the scripture teaches, both implicitly and explicitly, then they don't have that foundation of knowledge that you do to ever come back to God. And I see this happen. We have to do whatever it takes to literally save our children, to save our homes, to save our marriages, whatever it takes. Sister Murphy and I didn't get to do all the, a lot of the fun stuff that everybody else was doing. Even before we went into ministry, we just didn't do it. But it went a long ways to save our kids. So I can look back and say it was worth it. Amen. So folks, dig in. Dig your heels in. Dig your fingernails into it. Grab a hold, as the saying goes, grab a hold of the horns of the altar. Pray like you've never prayed. Live like you never lived. Give it all you got. And you're going to have to fight the fight of faith. Every day. You're going to have to win it every day. You're going to have to win the battle of faith every day, every day, every day. I'm not going to submit to temptation and all that foolishness. I'm going to stay in a tight parameter of what the Word of God teaches. I'm going to do it and I'm going to live it. So I'm asking you folks to ask yourself the question. When you go to bed tonight, am I really submitted? Am I really submitted to the Word of God and what the Word of God teaches? Everybody say amen. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. I'm going to dismiss you from your current posture of sitting. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You're dismissed tonight. And we enjoyed, appreciated the time with you. And we'll see you Sunday morning. <clears throat>